Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You are listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast called Your Last Decade. We thought it would be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago, how life has changed, what the year 2010 brought them, and what the last decade of their life has brought them. We also ask, what do they hope for over the next 10 years? Happy Friday to you all. Yes, today is Friday in the month of April, in the year of 2020. (laughs) I know you might be feeling like me and have a lost sense of time. I hope you also might be feeling a little like me that you're finding a new normal every single day in this new quarantine life. I am loving all of the memes, so feel free to send me all the memes over Instagram right now. Recently, I saw one that said this, 2020 is a unique leap year. It has 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years in April. (laughs) Oh, it cracks me up every single time, you guys. So I know that it is a crazy season right now, but I pray and hope that you will be encouraged by today's show. Today, I chat with my friend, Catherine Freeman, and some of you might remember her if you are a part of our Patreon community, which if you're not, you should be because it's a lot of fun. Catherine was a special guest during our fall book club when we read Be the Bridge by also another favorite of the happy hour, Latasha Morrison. You will love our conversation today, looking back on Catherine's last decade. And guys, her story is exactly why I am a fan of looking back. You're going to hear Catherine say in the interview that when my assistant, Lindsay, who you might know, and she's also Catherine's bestie, when Lindsay invited her to be on the show, Catherine said this to her, I don't really think there's much to share about the last 10 years. Okay. Yes, there is. She was mistaken. There were so many incredible God moments throughout her story that you will be encouraged by. And I hope that it helps you as you think there's not much to share about my last 10 years that you will take some time to look back and reflect and see all the ways that God was there, even in the difficult moments. Before we jump into our conversation, I want to take a quick moment to address something that you might have heard in the past few episodes. You might have heard an advertisement that doesn't align with what we believe in at Ivy Media. First of all, we're very sorry if you heard that and you were at all offended. It was a mistake by our advertiser and that ad was not approved by their team or our team. It has since been corrected and I'm so thankful for the listeners that sent me messages saying, hey, this doesn't seem like something you would be for. If you ever have any questions or concerns regarding a show's advertising quality or content, please reach out to us at info at jamieivy.com. 
Friends, did y'all see the newest episode of Happy Hour Quarantine that came out this week on YouTube? I'm having so much fun making these YouTube Happy Hour Quarantine editions, partnering with my publishers and friends at B&H. They've been so much fun to interview some friends of mine and to do some fun stuff with my family, all while staying home. You can check them all out over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey. Super easy to find. There's two episodes currently up right now where I interview Christine Kane and Christy Wright. I also make a Butterfinger pie. Two of my kids play a game. It's a lot of fun, you guys. Episode number three will come out Monday. Also, I would love to see what has been your quarantine treat. I know you all have some go-to treat that you're going to right now. Use the hashtag MyQuarantineTreat so I can see it. And I might just include you in the next episode. Again, that's youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy. All right, my friends, here's my conversation with Katherine Freeman. Catherine, welcome to this special edition of the happy hour called Your Last Decade. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to chat with you. We have a mutual friend. She's been a dear friend of yours forever, and now she's been working with me for a handful of years and just changed my whole work life, but Lindsay Sweeney. Yes, yes. She's changed my whole like friend life. So yeah, I can. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. I love Lindsay and I'm so glad that she's helping you in all the ways that she's helped me. (laughs) She is uh, dear to me and my work life and friend life too. But I know you guys have been friends for a while and she adores you and loves you. So I'm happy to get a little bit of your time. And I know we're going to talk about this, but I just can't not talk about it yet. Your podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's we're still in the first season. It's it's going. We're we're doing it. We love it. It's you and your friend Faith and you guys. I love it. I mean, I listen to every episode. I'm a loyal listener. Let me tell you. I am. I'm in. I'm in for the win. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I yeah, I appreciate the support. In as like a podcast newbie, it's always fun to like hear from pros and learn new tips and yeah, it's great. So, let's just jump in here and before we get going, If you would just tell everybody what you do, introduce yourself and what your life currently looks like in April of 2020 in the midst of the craziness that we live in. But what does your life look like now, Catherine? Yeah, I mean, it's drastically different than what it even looked like a couple months ago. But right now, my life looks like being a seminary student at Truett Seminary, which is affiliated with Baylor University, and then podcasting Melanated Faith, and then working kind of part-time doing student services and recruitment for the seminary. So yeah, drastically different. (laughs) Okay. So let's go back to 2010, 10 years ago. And for your story, I'll give you permission to reach back into 2009 a little bit, because I think in 2010, you made some transitions. And so what did life look like for you a decade ago? Yeah. So 2009, I was still working for a state senator. I was her press secretary um, and doing communications and I loved it. And it was just kind of like, you know, if you've seen the West Wing, it was not like CJ Craig, but it was pretty awesome. And then like 2010, yeah, probably about this time. I never watched the West Wing. West Wing. I didn't do it. <laughs> Aaron watched all of it and said it's one of the best shows he's ever watched. Did you watch Beat? Yes. Can you it give is... me the character there for me to relate? Um. Okay. I will say I feel like all the characters in Veep have pretty poor character. So that as an aside, um, oh, probably a little... A little like Dan, a little like Gary, like a combination between those two jobs. Do you like the show? Oh, I love Veep. It is, I I love Veep. It's probably one of my favorite shows of all time. 
I have heard it's more realistic than the West Wing. It is. It definitely is more realistic, I think, in terms of, um, yeah, I think people think that working in politics is like the West Wing. It definitely is more like working with Veep. And like, I mean, I definitely have... <laughs> there's an episode of veep where she's like giving a speech at like a fair or whatever and they're standing in the background trying to cover um like a pig being roasted i, I have some stories <laughs> of like trying to block whatever is in the background and it just i mean it's fun and i mean our government is populated by 20 something 20 early 30 somethings and so there's just a lot of just growing up i mean a lot of it is just so yeah, I think Veep is definitely more realistic than we saw. That's crazy because I was in D.C. this summer visiting some friends and they were talking about how transient Washington, D.C. is and how young it is. The people you see on TV are not always young, but they were saying that the people running the day-to-day stuff, they're young oh, yeah. people. Yeah, is, I mean, I know that. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. In the state, like in state capital here in Austin, like most of my coworkers, the only people when I worked with the state senator that were... Well, actually, I don't know. One person for sure, two people were for sure in our office were over 40 um, in the Austin office. Um, almost everyone else when I that did the day-to-day staffing her on issues and policy and then me doing press, we were in our 20s. And so I think it's just the nature of the work, like the hours that it requires. It's very hard if you have a family. It's very hard if you're married. And so I just think I think you get to a certain point. Like you don't get the kind of flexibility that you need to have a family and have a successful marriage until you're in more senior positions. And so typically, yeah, the people that do the day to day are young just because yeah. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, yeah, you have to be there all the time. You're there late at night. You can't put your kids to bed. Like, you know, it's like the middle of the day, something happens, you have to go. So yeah, it's not very family friendly work environment. And that was 2009. And that yes. led you into what did you leave that for? I left it to work in campaigns because I thought like I had done policy and as someone who's always kind of been interested in politics and policy, I felt like I really wanted to do a campaign to get that experience. And what I learned is I do not like campaigns <laughs> and it's not the same as making policy. And I think I'm just, I'm more of a policy person than a campaign person. Right. What campaign did you work on? Um, for a state rep in the Dallas area who was a phenomenal woman. Like I loved her and working with her was awesome. It's just even campaigning. Yeah. Well. Nature of the beast. I think it's just a lot more hectic. I think it's a lot more drawing contrast with people like because you have to like explain like why you should win, why you shouldn't or why your opponent shouldn't. And I think for her, I think that was also a hard campaign to work because she had lived in that community for 30 years. She had been school board president and running for reelection. So much of that race was nationalized. Like it, that was when we kind of had like a big change in government in 2010. And it was hard to know. I think it was hard watching her watch her neighbors kind of quote unquote turn on her. Um, because they didn't agree with her like political affiliation. And this is someone who's like been a public servant like most of her life. Like she only cared. Her thing was like public education. And so just like that was just really hard because it, and it wasn't personal. I mean, I think. But it feels very personal. I feel like, I feel like politics, I think running campaigns, it feels very personal when a lot of it isn't and it's not in your control. And people, some people are, I tend to be an idealist when it comes to things. My feeling of it was that it was not personal, but like watching someone you care about and admire have lifelong friends, like shut the door (laughs) in your face is not like, 
happy experience. Oh, I can only imagine. Like I literally said to my kid the other day, I was like, you can do anything you want when you grow up, but please don't go into politics because it is so hard to like, I, I can't imagine being in politics. I would cry every day. I would cry every minute is what I would cry, Catherine. Every minute of the day I would cry. I'm reading Barbara and Jenna Bush's book, Sisters First. And, you know, when their dad, George W. Bush, was running for president against Al Gore, Barbara was telling a story about how it's a totally different age right now than it yeah. was then. But she was at Yale at the time. And she said everywhere she looked, there were signs for Al Gore. And she said the same thing. She said it wasn't personally against me by any means, but it felt personally against me because yeah. they didn't like my dad. And so yeah. politics would be so difficult. I can't do it. But what did you do after the campaign when you found out you didn't like that? So I went back to policy. I went to work for a nonprofit in Austin that was focused on policy, particularly affecting like low-income Texans. So I did like juvenile justice reform and then worked on the school to prison pipeline, which I loved and I thought was such a fun job because I got to do a little bit of like still at the Capitol lobbying, but a lot of like research and writing and meeting with like local community groups. And I think the most impactful thing I ever got to do when I was there, I worked on a project where we went into juvenile facilities all across the state to talk to kids who had been, were being locked up for, you know, a variety of offenses and getting to hear their stories and how, like, I'll never forget, like we went to Harris County and one of the guys said that in the Harris County Juvenile Jail, they had um, a library. And he was like, this is the first time I've ever set foot in the library. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know, you know, the librarian was telling me that when I get out, like, you can get a card and you don't have to pay for it. And then if you just want to go buy books, there's this place called Barnes & Noble. And the, he was like 16, 15, 16. And that he had never heard of Barnes & Noble. He never set foot inside of one. And he basically was like, I didn't know I liked reading. Like, I love to read. And it just was, you know, a really unfortunate circumstance. He got caught up in the wrong crowd and he wasn't doing that well in school just because I think, you know, school was overcrowded. And so he needed more individualized attention. And it just, that kind of work, I think was just really, I just, yeah, really meaningful. It's like getting to hear the kids' stories and it kind of changes how you view that of like, oh, these kids are bad and they they're, they deserve to be like sent away. And then you hear their story and it's just like one wrong thing or you know, this, these things compound and like they end up in this place and just praying that like, once you get out, like all the things that you've learned here, the skills and, you know, the relationships that you've made, you're able to maintain them so that you don't ever have to come back to a place like this again. This is how like, well, I'm an interview podcast. You guys aren't, but interviewing people that have different stories is how people change their ideas about what they think about people. And that is something that I love so much is just that little glimpse of proximity where you can, even you sharing that story with my listeners is like, oh, so just because he made a couple mistakes, he's not like this bad kid that he didn't even know he could check out a book from the library. I mean, you know, just hearing stories like that is so good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big believer in the power story. And it, you know what's like funny is it made me realize like I think I used to get really frustrated, especially someone who does policy or did policy kind of on the macro level, that it takes that level of like personal connection to like move the needle. But a friend a few years ago helped me realize like that's how Jesus moved. Like he was not macro level fighting, you know. women's rights, like injustice. He was like, he sat down with a woman of the well and he heard her story. And like, from there was like, you're healed. And like, you guys can't condemn her. And just that he kind of was, and here's like a man who was like fully God and could have, 
mm-hmm. done this like macro level thing, but like he entered people's stories. And so I think that totally changed how I view policy work and yeah, working with other people. It's just like the importance of people's stories. I think it is, I think it is how people's lives are changed. I mean, really, I mean, we, and just how you related to Jesus is so good. I never thought about that, but even how as Christ followers, man, Stories change the world. I say it all the time, Catherine. Yeah. They really do. Okay, so then <laughs> now what? I know you're not still doing that. So then, what happened next? I think that I got to a point. So I was really. I'm a kind of a restless. So I'm an Enneagram Eight, and I think okay. you're just like kind of a gut person, and you get restless, and you have to move to something else. Um, and so I got a job working at UT, just doing public policy research. That was a little like trying to help an institute on campus figure out how to translate all of the work that they were doing into like tangible policies that could then be made into legislation and then hopefully become law, which was like a totally different world for me because it was all academic and you're dealing with professors and researchers. And in the previous job, I had a lot more community engagement and activism and like you're just meeting different types of people. And I love UT. I mean, I went there for law school, but as an academic, I mean, it's a totally different space when you get to see that kind of like behind the scenes thing. And um, what I loved about that experience is it helped me kind of codify like what I really, really love doing is teaching others about this kinds of stuff because I got to co-teach one class and then I got to teach on my own a class of undergrads. And so, yeah, but like the university, that was a big eye-opening I think experience of like to go behind the curtain a little bit and yeah (laughs) and realize you don't want to go behind the curtain anymore yeah (laughs) I just I just was like oh I really love teaching and it's just I think you have this idea of in college what your professors do or like in grad school what your professors do you see them only as they are in the classroom but there's so much more to that and there's like a lot of pressure especially at a um, top school like UT to like produce research so they spend a lot of time just reading and writing like literally, at least English, let's say liberal arts, right? Like literally they're in their office just reading and writing. And I'm like, that's it? Like, (laughs) I don't know what else I thought it would be, but it just, that was, was shocking to me. And like, and how much they put value on that and not as much on, well, I won't say all, not every professor is like this, but there were quite a few that don't put as much value on like meeting students because mm-hmm. how they're graded and how they how they are sort of graded and move forward professionally is more about the reading and writing they produce and yeah. not so much how much, you know, what their students. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. 
Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org slash work. Hey, Catherine, I have to ask you a question. And if you don't want this to be aired, we can take it out. But how old are you? 36. I feel like you've done so much already. Like everything you've listed, and I know what you're doing now that you're about to talk with us about, but I, I look at your life and I'm like, oh my word, you have done so much. Do you know that? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I told Lindsay when she asked me to do this, I was like, I don't think my last decade was that interesting. (laughs) And she was like, I don't think that's true. But you know, that's what best friends were for. They see things you don't see. But yeah, when I started thinking about it, and like, just really kind of preparing for the interview, I was like, wow, God, you have really done a lot in this last decade. And Thank you for your faithfulness. So yeah. yeah. When you look back on the 10 years, like if you could sum up, like, what have you learned about yourself or what have you learned about God or what have you learned about the world? Like when you look back over these 10 years, because I think that looking back, it it needs to produce something in us and not just like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or, oh, look how amazing I was. Or I really sucked at that job, whatever. But instead, what did it produce? When you think about that, what comes to mind? I think... I am a risk taker and I did not realize that about myself until I started reflecting because for me, it has always felt like so anxiety ridden of like feeling like so unsure as like I move through these things. Right. And I have realized um, so much more that I, yeah, I am someone who kind of steps out. It might take me a while, but I am someone who steps out. And I think the biggest thing that I have learned as someone who's naturally, I think, prone to like, is that God has never failed me. And that I wish, yeah, to say yes faster, I think is like the big thing that I think that it's produced in me is that I think, yeah, he has not failed me. And I think a lot of like, when I think about even just talking to my other friends, like have had much more consistent or much more linear career progressions. And I feel like I've just kind of been all over the place. And then, but I can see now looking back, like how God was building those things. And so, yeah, that he's just like trustworthy. Like that has been the big lesson, I think, in reflecting. I think that is so good for us to look back and see that he's been trustworthy because what that does for you. And then when I, I hear your story, what it does for me is I think, okay, if we look back and see that he's been trustworthy, then I can look forward and trust that he's going to be trustworthy, like no matter what. And I think that's encouraging for us, especially as Christ followers, to know he's been faithful. He's going to be faithful. And that sounds really churchy. 
it really does. And so it's it's hard to say that without sounding like, oh, that sounds so churchy. But when you're telling it within your story, you're like, there's nothing churchy yeah. about this. It's just true. Like he yeah. just hasn't been faithful. Oh, and it's like crazy because like logically the things that I've done. So like being a press secretary, I had no qualifications for that job. Like literally I had gone to law school. I majored in English. So I, you know, good writer, but I, you know, most people that have that job have worked in journalism, have a journalist background. I did not at all have the credentials for that background. And literally my boss came to me and said, I see something in you and I think you'd be really good at this. I I think you have good instincts and I think that you could do this. And it's like, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know what you see, but you know, (laughs) I am going to go with it, you know, and like you, and it changed my life. And so I think that kind of thing, I was like looking back and seeing how many times where I felt under qualified or underprepared for like the next thing and how God was like, Nope, you're, I got, I got you. It's going to yeah. be fine. You, you are not prepared and maybe you aren't qualified, but you can do it because you have me. What has surprised you the most about your last 10 years? I think my biggest surprise is, I don't think I thought I would be a, a person that liked teaching. I don't think that I thought that because I'm like a more introverted person. And so like just the idea of like standing in front of people and like talking to them is just not my idea of like in my mind, if I thought about myself before this last decade, I would not have landed on that. I think I would have landed on, oh yeah, I'm definitely someone who likes to be in an office by myself, like reading and writing. But like, I truly like the joy is like getting out and like talking to people and helping them understand new concepts and like meeting people and like hearing their story and then being like, oh wow, you know, like helping connect and make those connections. And so I think that was really shocking because like as someone who would just rather, who feels like I would prefer to be by myself, that's like obviously not true. (laughs) Right. I have things in my life that have surprised me that I thought I never knew that I would like that. And then I also have things that I thought I would love. And once I did it, I was like, Mm-mm, nope, which is why you got to try. You got yeah. to try it. You never know. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe that you got to try it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. And I will tell you something that has really helped me is working with a counselor because I try to game out every step of like everything. And I think sometimes that can be paralyzing. And one of the things he said to me, you know, maybe like two or three years ago when I was working through like just some transition stuff was that you're never going to have all the information you need to make the hundred percent perfect decision. You got to step out and trust that like in faith that God has you and two, he's going to give you what you need to adapt and pivot if it doesn't work out. And that for me was like, Mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because we want to know, like, I need to know exactly how this is going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. But if we did, we'd say no to a lot of things that actually hard, but are really good for us. You know, my counselor told me just this last week, since we're going to quote our counselors, which I'm always a fan of, (laughs) she was like, Jamie, just because something's hard doesn't mean it's bad. And I was like, and I have said that before about parenting and adoption. And she was now telling it to me about something in my own life. She's like, just because something's hard doesn't mean it's bad. And I was like, oh, okay. I need to listen to my own words here. That is so true. Okay, Catherine, I want to talk about what you're doing now. And honestly, to me, and I could be, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit removed from you and I just know what you've told me. I feel like your next step felt a little bit not in the same vein that you were going in. That, that <laughs> Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's totally crazy. 
this is the funny thing about how God works. So I was very resistant for the long time for like going to seminary just because I went to law school and I still have a lot of um, like paying that degree off. And so I was like, so the first thing was like, I'm not going to go unless it like financially makes sense. And I got like a full ride scholarship and I, you know, like the incidental stuff I've been able to pay out of my like savings and then my kind of own things. Um, so that was crazy. And then when I was like, okay, God, so that clearly can't use that as an excuse anymore. I, one of my really, really, really dearest, longest friends, her husband is a pastor. And I asked him to write my letter of recommendation for the seminary. And he was like, oh yeah, of course. I'm so glad you're doing this. Like you've been talking about it for a long time. I had no recollection of this conversation. And I was like, no, I don't think, are you talking about me? And then she got on the phone and backed him up. And she's like, yes, she had a very, like they both were able to name like a specific place that we were together that I had talked about going to seminary that at that point was like five or six prior years prior to this conversation. So I feel like it is something, it is a total tangent, but it clearly is something that God implanted in me and then has again, made a way for it to happen. And I just felt like, so having my last job before I came to seminary was working at the intersection of faith and public policy. I worked for the state Baptist convention and did public policy. I was the director of public policy for them. And so I had have been in public policy and a variety of jobs at that point for a long time. And I think working at the intersection of faith and public policy, one was a surprise because I never thought I could put two things that I was really passionate about together. But two, it just made me realize like how much of like what I thought or like I just, I felt like I didn't have like enough resources for myself to be able to like explain to other people. Like, like I could say, I know fighting injustice is biblical, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the tools to like build that out. And so I was just like, I really feel like I need to go to seminary and I need to learn how to do this. And so I went for a few years part-time and then just felt like God was like, no, you, if you keep going part-time, this will be another 10 years of your life. (laughs) So you, you know, step out on faith and like go full-time and we're going to make it work. And so really it does seem like a total tangent. It does feel like something that is totally not related at all to what I've been doing with the last decade of my life. But when I was like reflecting and preparing, it makes total sense looking at it at this point. It didn't make sense a few years ago, but at this point it does. That's amazing. What will your degree be when you finish? A master's of divinity. Okay. Okay. In theology. When's your finish date? May 2021. Girl, that's next year. I know. It's crazy. And it, you know what's so crazy is I was like, oh, it's going to be such a long time and that's going to take forever. And like literally it's next year. I have two semesters left. It's crazy. You're basically done. You basically I'm, I'm, are, 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 you're finished. What else could you learn now? You're, you're yeah, done. I, <laughs> I still have to take Greek. So there's that, <laughs> but okay, pretty there's much, that. but pretty much, yeah, I feel like I'm done and it's been a great experience and I have learned so much and I just feel I think way more prepared to do what I feel called to do, which is to talk to Christians about politics and public policy. How do you foresee yourself doing that after school? I don't know, (laughs) but I will say this someone, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about this and I feel like I cannot perceive how God is going to use this. Um, And I cannot perceive the next step. And I think because of the last 10 years, I am more prepared to just sit in that and say, it, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Okay 
I feel okay with that because God has been faithful. He's going to be faithful. The things that need to open up are going to open up. The things that need to be closed are going to be closed. And I'm fine with that. And that feels like a huge accomplishment. Of all the things that I've accomplished, to be able to like sit in uncertainty and say, it is well with my soul, feels like I've graduated law school. I've I've passed the bar. (laughs) Yeah. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. It's beautiful. One of my favorite things about even specifically doing these Your Last Decade episodes is that what you just said is so what you're learning and so for you, but I feel like it's so for me as well. Like I'm learning just listening to you going, okay, here's what Catherine's learning and resting and I can do the same thing. And so it's beautiful and I love it so much. Tell us about your podcast. So podcasts, yes, me and my friend Faith started a podcast. It's called Melanated Faith. And the idea was just to talk about like faith and culture from a black woman's perspective in a kind of fun way. Um, I feel like when Faith and I are together, we just like laugh a lot. So it is just like giving you kind of like an inside look of some of the conversations that we have as African-American Christian women. And so we've done episodes on Beyonce because I love Beyonce, but also just like more serious things about like singleness and dating and what's that like as a single um, woman. And yeah, we've done things on like Travel, pay, travel, self-care, which I think if you have not listened to the self-care episode during this time of quarantine when you can't go out anywhere, I think is like some good, there's some good tips about like what self-care actually is. Because I think as a culture, we have turned it into something that is not always healthy. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan of it and I love it. And I'm just so proud of you guys. I really do get this like proud, like grandmotherly sense of pride yeah. like, seeing people start podcasts because I know how fun it is, how fulfilling it is, and how encouraging it is to the listener. And so I'm excited for you guys. Uh, Catherine, I think you already answered what are you looking for in the next 10 years? I mean, you're looking just to like say yes to God and trust that he's going to be faith. Is there anything tangible that you are really looking forward to in the next 10 years? Yeah. I mean, I would like, fingers crossed, I I would love to get a PhD. I don't know how that's going to work out. But like I said, I'm trusting God that if that's what I'm supposed to do, he's going to make it happen. I know that you have the podcast, which I want everyone to listen to, Melanated Faith. But you also have something else that you're launching um, this year, this summer, that's going to be really valuable to us as Christians. Can you tell me about it? I'm going to work on a prayer guide. I think so much with the election and once we have the like final candidates set um, on both sides, I feel like there's a lot of like anxiety and tension about what's going to happen in 2020. And one thing I've learned is prayer is active. And I think that it can transform, even if it doesn't transform our circumstances, it transforms our heart. And so I just would love to create a resource for Christians and just how they can be praying and thinking through as they prepare to vote in November. 
I love it because, listen, we're going to need a lot of heart preparedness as we begin to get into this election season because 2020 is going to go down as like the craziest year that I've been alive, probably. This I mean, you know, nuts. 9-11 was crazy, but this is this is going to be pretty crazy. So, Catherine, thanks for telling your story. Thanks for opening up with us. And thanks for just saying all those yeses to God along the way. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. You're so welcome. Thank you. Goodness gracious, what an awesome story of trusting God with each and every step, even if it might have felt like a wrong career move in the world's view. I hope you're picking up on some of the same themes that I am as we do this Your Last Decade conversations. There's a theme that Catherine shared that we've heard other people share as well while looking back. Catherine said she hoped she would have prayed more and trusted God sooner. You know, looking back helps us to plan how we want to live moving forward. I want to be someone who's more prayerful and trust quickly as well. I'm praying that God would give us a faith to do both of those things today, especially right now in the craziness of our world. Make sure that you check out Catherine and Faith's podcast called The Melanated Faith. They are doing a wonderful job of sharing life, pop culture, and faith from the perspective of our African-American sisters. Also, I will surely be sharing about Catherine's prayer guide later this spring as we enter into election season. Friends, I am so excited that so many of you have said yes to joining me for the Bible study, Your Story Matters. We already are in week one. We just finished it today. We connected twice live this week. We went live in Facebook and then we went live on Zoom. It was such a fill for me and I pray that it was for you as well if you were there. There's still time to join all of our live meetups with us. Also, you guys, this study is available for you to do anytime. You don't have to do it right now if it doesn't work in your schedule. Visit jamieivy.com to order today for less than $25. Let's change the world together, one story at a time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Happy Hour, Your Last Decade. Our hope in all of these shows is that you too will be able to reflect on your last decade. Whether you were 23 years old 10 years ago, 65 or 12, Look back and see what God has done in your life and where he has brought you. How have you persevered? How have you screwed up? What would you do differently? And what are you so stinking proud of? Also, looking back always causes me to look forward. So what do you hope to see in your next decade? Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slackers, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, we'd love it if you love this show, if you'd share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast, and we thank you for that. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.